Thank you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, take your Bible, and go to the book of Revelation, the very first chapter. In a moment, we'll read uh, four verses out of that glorious book. So, last Sunday's Easter, 50 days from Easter every year is Pentecost Sunday. Baptists make a big deal out of Easter, but sometimes we forget what's coming. 50 days later came the Pentecost, 50, Penta, and the Spirit of God falls, and we need to remember. So in these next uh, 50 days, we're going to be preaching uh, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit within your life, my life, church life, and we will look together. This morning, I just want you to meet the Holy Ghost, I want you to know Him uh, a little bit. Now, there's a lot of confusion uh, in some circles about it. But understand this, when you are without Christ and lost, not saved, then you are without the Spirit of God. You are dead in your own trespasses, and the Spirit of your life is dead. But when you come to Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 says that He baptizes us in the Spirit. All that all of us have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, John spoke and said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what Jesus does for you. And so when you get saved, he baptizes you. Then after you're baptized in the Spirit, you ought to be baptized in water, just like you saw these two and others in the early service uh, today. And so we are immersed in the Spirit. We're saved. And then we must learn to walk in the Spirit and know the fullness of the Spirit. It's that teaching we're going to look at in these next few weeks. But I just want you to get accustomed to the Holy Ghost and knowing Him today. So let's look in the Word of God in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 4. The Bible says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Revelation 3, verse number 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God. Revelation 4, verse number 5. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Revelation 5, in verse number 6. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing, as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The seven spirits. 
That does not mean that there are numerically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven is the number of completion, the number of perfection. The Spirit of God, the complete Spirit of God, all of the Spirit of God. He speaks here of the seven spirits, the Spirit of the living God, His fullness. And that is what baptizes you. It is He, the Spirit, the seven spirits that baptizes you into Christ and you are saved. It's the seven spirits of God that fill us. He is in us and directs us. And so this morning, I'm praying that if you've never been saved, never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, that today would be the day you'd trust Jesus. He'd save you and He'd immerse you into His Spirit. If you're walking away from God, I pray you'll come home to Him today in repentance and know the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this great Bible doctrine And I pray that in these next weeks you'll teach us not to fear the Spirit, but to know the Spirit, experience Him within our life. Holy Spirit of God, come now and convict us. Use my lips, my tongue. Open our hearts and do a sovereign work in your church today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and be seated, please. When I read the Word of God, I find again and again people that are filled with the Spirit. The Bible says in Luke 1.15, John the Baptist was full of the Spirit. Luke 4.1, the Bible says that Jesus was full of the Spirit. Luke 141, the Bible says that Elizabeth, Elizabeth was full of the Spirit. And Luke 1 and verse 67, the Bible says that Zacharias was full of the Spirit. Acts 4 and verse 8, the Bible says that Peter was full of the Spirit. Acts 7 verse 55, the Bible says the first deacon, Stephen, was full of the Spirit. Do you know the best kind of deacons are Spirit-filled deacons? Those that are full of the devil are not good for nothing. Just like these preachers, full of the Spirit or full of the devil. And then Paul in Acts 13, 9, the Bible says, was full of the Spirit. These seven people, the fullness of the Spirit. I just ask you this morning as you come to church, you sit in the pew right now, are you this very moment full? Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Now, friend, if you're not, then you ought to repent of your sin. If you're disobedient, run to God and say, oh, Lord, fill me, fill me. I sit in his chair. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday during the special music, I pray the same prayer every Sunday. I pray what Spurgeon prayed. As he sat in his pulpit chair while they're singing just before he had come to open the word of God, he prays this prayer and I pray it. I just simply sit there and pray. I said, Lord, I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me. I believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer. Friend, I can talk all day. Nothing will happen, but I'm telling you, if God gets in it, he can do more in a moment. We can do it in a lifetime. We trust him that he would take us and use us. There are all kinds of types in the Bible uh, as you get to know the, the Spirit of God. Uh, there's the type of fire. that The fire falls. The fire is a type of God. Wind, the breath of God, the wind of God is a type uh, of the Holy Spirit. New wine uh, placing new wine in old wineskins, bad, but you put new wine in new wineskins. The cloud is a type of the 
Holy Spirit. The dove, we see that bird, the dove coming in, uh, on Christ, that uh, baptism. And other times we see the dove as a type or a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Water, uh, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. A river uh, of living water is a type of the Holy Spirit. And then oil in the, Holy, in the New Testament and other places, oil is used uh, as a type. I read one man this week who said, I have 32 Bible types of the Holy Spirit. You can go on and on and on. But since we're using the number seven this morning, the seven spirits, these seven people that are filled with the Spirit, these seven types, and we could list more uh, about the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest verses to talk about the Spirit of God is over in the book of Zechariah. It's the next to the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi's last. Right before you get to Malachi, you have Zechariah. Zechariah has got that uh, prophecy that has fallen on him. He is to help rebuild the tabernacle, uh, and yet the people are rebellious. They're hard-hearted. They're walking away from God, and the Lord says to Zechariah, you will do this work, but it is not by might or by power, but by my what? Spirit, says the Lord my God. Listen to me, church. We don't do our work in our own might. We can't have enough power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. That's how He does His work. And so you need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I should walk in the fullness, preach in the Spirit, minister in the Spirit. You should live and work and walk in the Holy Spirit of God. So let's get to knowing a little bit this morning. I want to give you seven names. There are others that I could give, but since I'm using that number of completion today, I want us to look at these seven names that I want to lay out, uh, names for the Holy Spirit that we find in the Word of God. Then give a, uh, an invitation and ask you to come and give your heart and life to Christ. Put your life in this church to come. Some of you to take the step of baptism that we've talked about a little bit today. So let's look. Seven names today for the Holy Spirit. Number one, here we go, is in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 4, it is the Spirit of holiness. He is called the Spirit of holiness, who was declared the Son of God with power of the resurrection from the dead, according to, there it is, the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is where we get that phrase, the Holy Spirit, the holiness of God. It is the word hagias. It means to be holy or set apart, to be separated. Let me tell you, friend, you cannot walk in the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God and hold hands with this world and be at home in everything this world has. God calls us to come apart and be ye separate, says the Lord. First Peter said it this way, God said, I am holy, therefore you are to be holy. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Holiness. Friend, when you're full of Jesus and full of the Holy Ghost, you'll be a holy man, a holy woman. So how's that happen? It doesn't come by isolation. A lot of people think, boy, if I could just get away from the world and just never have anything about just isolate myself in a monastery and be a monk, I could really walk in holiness. No, 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 no. It does not come in isolation, rather it comes by revelation of Christ in us, God revealed in us and through us that we are holy, holy, holy. 
is God is holy. You, therefore, be holy. You'll only be holy as you are filled with the Spirit of the living God. And then through you, He is the Holy One that makes us to be like Him. He is the Spirit of holiness. Secondly, second name is eternal spirit, the eternal spirit. Hebrews 9 and verse 14, uh, the Bible says uh, to us, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, there it is, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, and he will also cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. If he did that through his blood, how much more will he cleanse you? Now watch this, the spirit sets eternal things against temporal things. If we're not careful, we will get our eyes fixed on the temporal so much that we forget the eternal. And the Spirit of God is interested in eternal things. Everybody in here, everyone is going to get a headstone. You say, some of you smart alecks say, oh, not me. I, I'm, I'm going to be cremated. Well, they're still going to put a little bitty plaque on you. Here is the dust of grandmother. Friend, we're all headed to eternity. With Christ or without Him. Get your eyes on the eternal. He is the eternal spirit, not the temporal spirit. Now, there are things we have to do in this world, and we take care of them. We know that. But you cannot highlight your life around the temporal. Cast your eyes above where there is the eternal so that God will do eternal things through you. Those that will last when you are dead and gone are the eternal things. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the eternal Spirit. Number three, in John 14, verse 16, uh, I use the word, it's not in this uh, particular translation, the New American Standard, but rather in the King James, but I like that word, the comforter. He is the comforter. John 14, in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper or comforter uh, can be the translation of that, and he will be with you forever. This word, helper or comforter, is the word paraclete. Paraclete. He's the advisor, the exhorter, the strength giver, the encourager. Parakletos is the word. First part of it is para. Para is, he's alongside, he's alongside of us, like a paramedic. He's not the real doctor, he's just alongside till the real doctor gets there. The paramedic. The paralegal. The paralegal is not a lawyer. The paralegal just does the work until the guy or woman shows up to give you the bill. That's the Lord. But the paralegal comes alongside and does the work. And then the confirmation comes through the attorney. Paralegal, paramedic, parakletos. The word kletos is the word called. He is called alongside of us. That's the Holy Ghost. Yes, he's in us, but he comes as a comforter and stands alongside of us. You lose a loved one, he stands alongside of you. He's the comforter. When, when you think, I can't get this done, he's the helper and gives us strength to get it done. Thank God for the paraclete, the paracletos, standing alongside of us. We had several funerals in the church family this week. 
Well, people walk with you, help you, it's good. They bring a meal, do that. But there comes a time when you just walk in that room and you're by yourself. But you're not. You're not alone. Because the paraclete stands alongside of you. He is the helper, the exhorter, the encourager, the strength giver. Amen. Thank God for the helper and the comforter that stands alongside of us and helps us along the road to recovery. He is number four, the spirit of truth. Jesus said this in John 16, verses 13 and 14, but when he, the spirit of truth, there it is, that fourth name, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. This is the spirit of truth. This is our word aletheia. Aletheia is the word truth, and we have this spirit of truth. It is truth over against being deceived. Dear friend, you need to trust this book because the Spirit of God inspired this book. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But not only did he inspire it, he illuminates it and brings it back to you in your understanding to give you direction in your life. And the Spirit of God guides us into all truth, decisions we're to make. I began to think about that this week as I prepared in this message about the Spirit of truth. I began to think about Monumental decisions in my life. First great decision I ever made was when I came to faith in Christ as a 10-year-old boy and I heard God speak into my heart and I had to say yes or no. I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus. It's the greatest step I've ever taken in my life. When I was 17, I understood God's call to preach. And so I stepped out and said, I believe that I understood it, what, what God would have me do. I think it's the greatest decision that I ever had the Spirit of God confirm in my life is when I was a college sophomore, just before I started a sophomore year. Vietnam War was raging. They had draft lottery numbers, and mine popped up, and I went to the Word of God. I can take you to the psalm. I've got it in my, this very Bible where I've underlined God's promise to me. When he said, don't trust man, you trust me. And I said, Lord, I don't know. I, I've got an offer here to do this. And he said, you trust me. And I said, all right. And off I went on that bus to Montgomery and took that physical, mashed that button, did that eye chart, did all those things. Man, I came out of there 1A plus 5. I was the best shape of my life. I was playing college basketball. We'd run to our tongue, hung out. I could run all day, run all night. They took me in that back room. That doctor did things to me you ought not do to anybody. <laughs> Some of y'all have had that physical, I see. I came walking out of there whistling Dixie. Woo. I got home and I said, well, I guess I'm fixing to take off. I'll be over in Vietnam before long. Two weeks later, the U.S. government ended the draft. I didn't go. 
I shared that story in the early church. As a gentleman walked out, he's just about my age, I imagine. He just walked by me just real slow. He said, what was your number? I said, 34. He said, I was 31. They'd run those numbers on the television screen at night. You'd watch them, hoping that you got a big number. I think it was 1 through 70 that was going. I hit 34, if I remember correctly. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God taught me to trust God. He said, you trust me, don't trust man, don't trust an offer. You trust me. I've got you in the center. That was the spirit of truth. Let me tell you, friend, in, in your life, you'll have monumental decisions. The next one came in my life, I had to decide who I was going to marry. And I felt like Liz and I were right. She had to work through all of that. We had to find the mind of God. When you get married, you better find the mind of God. One of the biggest decisions you'll ever make in all your life. You get that wrong, you, you got a mess on your hand. Mm. I made a decision four times. It's the fourth church I've pastored. Each time, God showed me. I, I can take you to Isaiah 41. I can't be the pastor of this church where God gave me promise after promise after promise after promise. The greatest promise he gave me was, if I call you, you must be a worm. And when you go and you serve as a worm, I'll do things that only I can do. And any time I've tried to be more than a worm, I get in trouble. That's why on my prayer altar at home, there's a, a rug there that says wormology on it. You bow before God and let God raise you up and do what only he can do. Oh, dear friend, God, take a little and, and do a lot. I love this time of year. It's graduation from high school. I love it when they let me come speak to graduating classes. Uh, I always use the same thing, just every time. I just run to Zig Ziglar. And I share with that class, I said, I want you to take a good look. Now look at me, look at me. Some of you know my name, some of you have seen me on television. Some of you drive by that corner and you say, boy, that's a big church. You look at me, boy, who's that guy? And I said, let me tell you, right here, look, get a good look at me. I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. If it wasn't for me, there wouldn't be no top half. Had to be an underclass to be an upper class. Amen. God take little and do something. But now, and I always say, now listen to me. Not only is that old boy that's down there in the bottom, is he responsible to God? Whoever gets that award for the valedictorian, they got to bring all of those brains and lay them on the altar before God. I bought both mine, both sales, lay them right there. You got to bring all your sales and put them on the altar. God will take somebody smart, 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 or he'll take somebody average, average, average. If they'll just get underneath the Spirit of God, God will do much when you think it's just a worm. Trust him today. I'm talking to a young man this week. He said, Pastor, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I said, why? He said, I'm smart. I don't. I said, where'd you get that? He said, well, my mom and daddy told me I was stupid all my life. And I, I'm just not much. I said, you look at me. 
I said, don't you believe what some half-infidel numbskull parent told you? God made you special. You've got gifts. If you surrender what you've got to him, I'm telling you, he, through the spirit of truth, will show you every step to make and use you for his good and glory. That's the spirit of God in us. Why didn't the Lord choose professors and emperors instead of fishermen? He took the normal, everyday, average man and woman and said, I'll show myself strong. Later he would take Paul, brilliant, Sanhedrin. But he'll take you and the spirit of truth who will be in you and he'll show you every choice that you need to make. Number five is the spirit of his son. He's the spirit of his son in Galatians chapter four, verses six and seven. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. There it is, the spirit of his son into your heart. He cries out, Abba, Father. Therefore, no longer, no longer, no longer are you a slave. Oh, hallelujah, but a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. Glory unto his name. Spirit of His Son is in you, and He gives you boldness and liberty to come to the throne of grace and cry out, Abba, Father. Are you a praying Baptist? Let me tell you, when your prayer life suffers, it's because you're not full of the Spirit of God. When you walk in the fullness of the Spirit, the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. When you walk the closest is when you'll see the worst in you. Where you have to cry out, oh God be merciful. It's when you think you're something's when you're walking in your carnality. And then the Spirit of God will let us cry out, Abba, Father. And God will show himself strong on our behalf. Psalm 34, verse 10, mark it down, and you know Psalm 34, verse 10, the young lions suffer hunger, amen, young lions suffer hunger, but those that seek the Lord shall not be in want, amen. Uh, those young lions, they think they're something when they're really not, they're not full grown, and, and they're hungry, but those that seek the Lord, mm, God will do something marvelous in you. Number six. Is, now, now, don't miss this. This is all together. You've you got to wrap all this up. The spirit of power, love, and discipline. Notice it in 2 Timothy 1.7. You know this verse, but you know it a little different than I'm translating it this morning. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. No, 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 no. But of power, love, and discipline. Power, love, and discipline. Say those three words out loud with me right now. One more time. Power, love discipline. Put them all together. He is the spirit of power, love, and discipline. You got to wrap them all together like, uh, like a, a three-strand cord. Put together, you wrap power, love, and discipline. He gives us power over fear of our past failure, our present failure, our future failure. Fear. He gives power, but 
Along with that, he gives love. And we know the Bible says that love never fails. So while he helps you overcome your past, even your present, and your future fear, he wraps that up in love. You see, when you think you can do something, you get powerful. If you don't have love, you'll become carnal and then discipline. Uh, that discipline is the mind to know the will of God. You wrap all of those together. Power, God's strength, love and compassion. And then the discipline to know what God says do and to walk in it, to stay in it, to not deviate from it, but to walk God's way. The Holy Spirit of God is the spirit of power, love, and discipline. And he puts that in our life. And then number seven, he is the anointing the anointing. In 1 John 2.20, the Bible says, but you have a krishma, that's the word, a krishma from the Holy One, and you all know. Verse 27 then, drops down just a few verses, it said, as for you, the krishma, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing, his anointing abides in you, it, it teaches you about all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie, and just as it's taught you, you abide in Him. Now, watch this. You're saved, you have an anointing. That's the Spirit of God that's in you. And then it says, you have no need for anyone to teach you. Now, don't misinterpret the text. That does not mean you know it all. It means that the Spirit of God will teach you what you need to know out of the Word of God and give you wisdom to discern between deception and truth, between a false prophet, and there are false prophets, some of them in the very pulpits around our world. 2 Corinthians 11 says, the devil often disguises himself as an angel of light. And for you to be able to discern then the Spirit of God gives you this anointing. It doesn't mean you don't need somebody to teach you. That we wouldn't have classes, wouldn't have small groups, wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have, you see, there are teachers. God gave some the gift of teaching. We need to learn from them. But when you hear the Spirit of God will say yes or no about those teachings, and you're able to discern what is right and what is deception in your life. So this is that anointing, Krishma. This week, uh, last, when we were praying over our 10 days of prayer and fasting before Easter, had a few people come by and say, Pastor, I, uh, the Bible says if anybody's sick, call the elders to anoint them with oil. Prayer of faith, they confess their sin, heal the sick. We do that. I said, sure, we've done it through the years. And people ask, I anoint them with oil, pray over them. We did out there, had some in my office uh, this week. Been doing that for years. Uh, but the oil is... It's not even medicinal, okay? It's, it's a type, it's a symbol. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's going to do the healing if it's done. But, but we step out on that, and the most important thing in that text is not the oil, but the confession, the confession of our sin. So we prayed over people. I remember the first time here that I ever had somebody call. I had two or three men with me. We prayed over them, prayed over this individual. Dennis Wilson was with me. And we anointed the person with oil and got done, prayed over them. And after everybody's gone, Dennis said, Pastor, uh, listen, you didn't use enough oil. I said, what are you talking about? He said, if you don't use enough to fry a chicken, it's not going to work. 
I said, well, Dennis, we're not frying chickens. We're, we're praying for healing, all right? And uh, uh, so we laughed about that. He said, well, I just think you ought to use a little more. I said, well, you leave that to me, all right? And uh, we'll, we'll do that. I said, it's not the amount. It's the symbol that is there. And I always laugh a big D about that. But the oil, we anoint. Listen, if you're saved, anybody in here saved, raise your right hand and say Amen. If you are, you have an anointing, a krishma. That word krishma means smear. That's literally what that word means, to smear it on your head, to smear it. You read Psalm 133, they would anoint in that high priest of the oil until it ran down on his robe and down on his feet. It's the krishma, the anointing. Well, friend, if you're saved, you have an anointing on your life. God will use you. He'll give you wisdom. But you can't just check in for 60 seconds a day. You've got to stay in this book, stay on your knees and cry out to God. And that anointing will, through you, use you, and you become the conduit to teach others. Now, I'll say this at the end of every one of these messages. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not putting more gas in the tank. When you get saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit you're going to get. The Holy Spirit hadn't got all of you he's going to get. That's what we're walking in the Spirit and learning to discern and the sanctification process. But you see, being filled with the Spirit is is not God putting more oil in your tank. Filled with the Spirit is putting a new driver behind the wheel. That's what it is. The Spirit of God begins to move in your life. You take your hands off. You slide over. You let Jesus have direction. Now, some of you in here, you're way too young to remember bench seats. It used to be in a car, there was a long seat in the front. It's called a bench seat. Those were great vehicles for dating. Man, she could slide over right next to you. Now you got a gear stick and a box. One car I had had a refrigerator in there. I said, boy, that's just what I probably needed as an 18-year-old is a refrigerator between me and my date. Amen. That probably would have been wise. I remember those early days. You kind of... And she'd scoot over there. Amen. Well, let me tell you, when the Spirit of God begins to take control, you're going to scoot out of the way. He does the driving. Now, here's Baptist... These are Baptists I know. <laughs> Lord, you push the gas, you can tell how fast, but I'm going to tell where. Uh-uh. He's put all the gas in your tank. Now you've got to let him drive. You say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, not my way, but your way. Not my direction, your direction. Not my time, but your time. Lord, here's my life. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. 
Fill my cup. I lift it up. Fill me, Lord. There are people in this room today without Jesus. John's coming to sing a song, and when he sings this song, I want you to come and say yes to Jesus. Uh, some of you are here, and you've never been saved. The Spirit of God's not in you. Then, then you need to come. Be saved today. Some of you are here, and you're, the, the next step in your life is to come to be baptized. The next step after that is to come for some of you and put your membership within the body life of, of our church. And on these stanzas of this psalm, I want to ask you to come and take those steps and do what God calls you to do. For some, that you don't need the church today. You're already in it. You just need this altar. You need to come in fresh surrender and say, oh, God, fill me. Fill me. Lord, I, I surrender. I scoot over and I give you the wheel. Lord, you take it. You are Lord of all. Lord of all. The spirit of holiness within our lives. Fill me, Lord. I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we'll sing. And when we sing, be the first one out of that balcony. Come on. You can come on while I'm praying. Just get up and come while I'm praying. Make your way right here. We'll attend you in the way. The Spirit of God will help you. God will call you. And you come and say yes unto King Jesus. Father, have your way in this invite, in this appeal. Oh, Spirit of God, you do the appealing. Draw people unto yourself today. I trust you with it and give you, Lord, our future in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.